Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We're back for our second show of the week, bringing you some breaking news. As always with Tottenham, it's never quiet, is it? But we're delighted to have back on this show with me. I've got Lee McQueen. Lee, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, hello, everybody, listeners, and uh, some great guests, as usual, uh, this, this week to, to chat all things football and probably a little bit of uh, COVID-19 and... Uh, uh, you know, let's, you know, f- football. Whether or not we, we we want it to be back or not, as long as it's safe, it's back. And I'm absolutely loving the fact that we're going to be speaking about football today. So yeah, cra- crazy times, but uh, yeah, really delighted to be back. Thanks for having me back on, mate. Yeah, and again, we hope you're all keeping safe and well out there. Still battling COVID nineteen. Delighted to also have back on this show with me, Jamie from the Daily Hotspurs of us. Jay, how are you? Yes, very good, thank you, Ricky. Yeah, I managed to get all my homework done, so I've been able to come on. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited to be able to... Um, <laughs> and with, obviously, a statement like that, it means it's teed up for only one man back on this show. Delighted to have him, our favourite presenter, Mr Aaron Paul. Aaron, please have you back on the last word on Spurs. Evening, ladies and gents. Good evening, good evening. I hope you're, uh, I hope you're all safe and well. Everyone's safe and well and healthy and... Uh, all, all, all that jazz but um, yeah great to be back thank you for having me Paul pleasure pleasure it's nice to have you back on with us as I know it's been a while and we've tried to make it happen dulcet tones Rick isn't it the dulcet tones of, those of tones. Aaron Paul it's <laughs> yeah. like those tones, tones are just there they're just weaved into just pure magical stuff and I'm sure we're going to get into some epic United Spurs talk yeah. uh, during the pod and there is a food update Aaron is going to bring us to later on. So definitely very important, keep, very keep important. your eyes open for that. But before we start, I actually want to start with you because I want to get your initial reaction to the resumption of the Premier League now. Myself, Jamie, Jason, Lee, we all had that debate last week in terms of it coming back. Just get your thoughts mm. very quickly. Premier League looks like it's set to come back on the 17th of June. We're going to get into this positive coronavirus test that's happened with Tottenham. But what's your initial reaction to football 
coming back? Naturally, as, as someone who works in the industry, who who earns a living off of football and sort of, you know, everything in my life, is it, it revolves around football. Um, I'm delighted. Um, I think for me, being in constant communication with my bosses, um, the talk was always that, you know, we're going to look at how the Bundesliga goes and use that as sort of a benchmark. And I think over the past few weeks, the Bundesliga has proved to be pretty successful in the way that they've dealt with things. I mean, a lot of, um, you know, the, the attention it's got is is crazy. But one thing we've got to remember is that um, the Premier League and the Championship are two massive entities. And, and, and I think why you're seeing this split in the Football League with League 2 cancelling, you know, being scrapped, League 1 unsure, but the Championship and Premier League are sticking around is purely because of the amount of money that's sort of saturated within these two leagues. Um, it was never going to get cancelled. It was never going to get written off. Um, and and it's back. And, you know, what they've adapted it and the Saturday 3 o'clock rule has been lifted. Um Hopefully we can sort of. This is a this is a sort of a way that we're we're sort of floating towards a bit of normality again. Um, it's just going to be good to see football back and and you know you know sort of the thing that we love and and hopefully it'll be used to raise some morale in the country as well. For a man like you that does work in the broadcast industry mm. and is so used to going to games, commentating from them so up close, how different going to be for you now? Because in terms of the way the nature of broadcasting was previously. How much is that going to change for you in terms of we have to be cautious of that? Listen, we can only be dealing with the game that we've been dealt now. You know, there's been a lot of interaction in terms of there being possibly fake crowd noises being played in and some people are absolutely dead against it. Others... They do it at Arsenal anyway. Well, (laughs) and Man City, yeah, the Etihad. Tell me your thoughts on that very quickly and how you think that could affect football. Look, Rick, I've I've worked on both ends. I mean, there, there's there's two main ways of, of, of how commentary is produced in this country. You have off-tube, which is always done off-screen, and you have a lot of broadcasters which use that in terms of when maybe it's economically not viable to be sending someone to a game. Um, and I've, I've done that. You know, I've worked with the FA on projects where you're doing commentary off-tube. And I've done, uh, you know, my, my thing is live in action, in ground. It, there's, there's just nothing like it. But, let me tell you something. There is nothing like being in the ground. There is no other fear. There's no better feeling than actually being in a seat and actually having the sort of the freedom, the range of vision to look around and see what's going on. On tube, you're following what a cameraman's doing. Or soft tube, you're looking, you're looking at what a cameraman's doing, and you have to follow what they're doing, and and it sort of dictates how you commentate and how you deliver something. But what we've been told to appreciate is the fact that certain clubs don't want us in there. Certain clubs want to restrict the numbers so tightly um, because it means they have to open up certain other areas of their grounds and that they're, they're just very, very conscious of it. And I think everyone in our game respects it. We're looking at alternatives. You know, we might have to go back to um, studios to do it. We might have to do it off tube. I don't know. No one knows the situation yet. If I'm honest with you, I had an email this afternoon asking me about um, my home studio situation. I've got a, a home set up. So I've got a full-blown radio studio in my house. Um, you know, and, and if I'd be comfortable doing it there, I'm happy. As long as I'm getting a bit of football back, I'm happy because it's been a long few months. I mean, I haven't worked since what last week and see last sort of fixtures, which was what the first weekend in March. Um, I haven't properly worked since then, and, and I miss it. I really miss it. It's as if I'd have I've had my summer break already. You know, um, a lot of people have asked me about you know what I've lost. I'll tell you straight away. Um, I lost obviously the last weeks of the Premier League and and the Football League and the playoffs. 
Um, I lost some women's football bits. I lost the Euros. I've lost the Olympics. I've lost Queen's Club and I've lost Wimbledon. So um, a lot of people just see sort of like, you know, the good side of what we do and, you know, it's all glamour, it's all great, X, Y, Z. But trust me, trying to recoup losses is, is, is crazy. And obviously, you know, a lot of people say to me, yeah, you've got next year to look forward to, but who knows what will change next year economically? Who knows what will change? People, budgets might alter and they might turn around and go, well, you know what, AP, we don't need you on that project anymore. So ultimately, there's, there's massive loss. Um, I think I'm just trying to appreciate what I've got right now, which is the fact that football's back in a couple of weeks and, and by hook or by crook, I will be commentating on it. And pleased to hear you as you are back commentating because we've missed those dulcet tones. I know many listeners love hearing your voice. So we'd like to have you on the show tonight. Now to get really in amongst the breaking news that we've had in the last hour or so, we are recording on the 3rd of June and... Typically, obviously, this kind of breaking news would always associate Tottenham. Um, but we've been informed by the Premier League that there's been one positive test for the COVID-19 from the latest round of testing at our training centre, Hotspur Way, from the Premier League. Due to medical confidentiality, the individual's name will not be disclosed. But that individual is now currently self-isolating for seven days in line with Premier League protocol before undergoing further testing. And a statement from Spurs says they shall continue to strictly adhere to the Premier League's return to training protocol, which ensures the training centre remains a safe and virus-free working environment. Now, coming straight to Lee for the breaking news. Lee, thoughts on that? It's a good white, good job for, for, for Tottenham. You know, is it is it going to be, um, is, is the individual a player or is the individual a, a staff member? Um, first thing I want to say is I wish them well. You know, I've had uh, COVID nineteen myself. It's not it's not handsome. It's not pretty. Uh, there's there's nothing to to like about it whatsoever. Um, and like I've said many times before, you know, being one of the lucky ones for me. And you know, COVID nineteen it affects people in different ways. You know, um, it could be um, it could be quite damaging to people as as we've seen with with all of the stats that are out there and the the, the, the horrific numbers on the on the on the de- daily death tolls. But equally, it can affect you and you don't even know you've got it. So uh, you know. Um, you know, I, I think that first I, I wish the, the the individual well, um, but you know, from a purely from a football standpoint and a, um, and our football club standpoint, it's typical, isn't it? On the eve of uh, a season starting, we, we get somebody break out, and I think that that for me is where I have been consistent with my messaging on the pod and, and with you guys as well. You know that on WhatsApp around. You know, should football come back or should it not? And I know everybody else's debates, and you know, there's lots of positive arguments for and against but you know when 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 you see that people are still being ill you know we still had 342 people die today um you know for from from uh, from in all walks of uh, all walks of life if you like and you know that that for me just brings it home when when you're getting i know i know the testing of thousands of people in football is is only kind of like you know 0.01% or whatever it might be but you know that that's still a chance that you, you know if i'm another player and i've been around that 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 member of the team or that member of staff that's now got COVID, I'll be going home tonight after training, thinking, "Am I going to get it now?" And 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 that, and that's that's the bit, isn't it? You know, you can test negative today, but tomorrow you can test positive because, as I've said consistently for the last few weeks and months, it's not about the test; it's about the antibody test and ultimately the vaccine, as we all know. So, yeah, it's it's you know I wish them well, and and I hope that uh, you know this is an isolated incident, essentially, especially within our club, and we can get on and and like Aaron said and, and you said at the top of the show, we can get on and go and play some football. But it is a shame for sure. 
Jamie, coming around to you. Now, we know the current protocol as part of the Project Restart rules that in any case of a Premier League player returning a positive test would mean that he would be kept away from the group for a total of 14 days. And that actually includes also the seven days of government-advised self-isolation. Now, are you surprised? I mean, to be fair, again, they've, let's be honest about it, the week before that, there were no positive tests at all whatsoever. Yeah. And I think now when you look at the amount, I think it's a total of 12 individuals being tested for COVID-19 out of 3,882 from the initial four rounds. And this, again, was the fifth batch of tests that took place on the Monday and Tuesday of this week, which resulted in the one. So from the testing aspect, what have you made in terms of how that's come back? And from a Spurs perspective, yeah, was you surprised? Well, I mean, look, obviously it's it, it's very concerning because you don't know how long that individual has kind of had uh, COVID-19 for and, you, and have they spread it around the training ground? And I guess that's the worrying thing. You know, Lee said, of course, you know, many of the players and staff around the, the club are obviously not going to know too much about it, but they're probably going to be slightly worried that, you know, someone's someone has been at the training ground and they have had it. Um, it's you know it is um, really unfortunate. I mean, it was it was really interesting listening to uh, David Ornstein from the Athletic, and he was kind of describing how um, he, he was talking a lot about the what's going on at Arsenal and kind of a bit of insight there. And he was saying how safe training grounds are, um, but obviously when you've got a situation like this at Spurs, it is it is really concerning. And um, you know this is why many people were concerned uh, about the Premier League coming back, and you know because. You know, you, you don't know what the effects of this could have. So it is, it is of course, very concerning. Um, yes, of course, it is disappointing that it's happened with Spurs. As a player, you know, it does look as though they'll probably miss the start of the season. Um, I think from, from what they've, from what they've said, I think the club have said, um, they're currently asymptomatic. So I guess that that's not, it's not too bad. So, yeah, obviously, as, as Lee said, you know, we just wish them a, a quick and speedy recovery, really. We also know that all 20 top flight clubs have now returned to close contract training and they continue to adhere to the latest medical advice from the government and Public Health England to enable a phased resumption of sport in the UK as we prepare for the Premier League to return behind closed doors as that date approaches, 17th of June, and one that obviously we keep on mentioning throughout this show that we're excited to see football come back. But again, it's got to be under the right circumstances and obviously everybody's health intact as I want to ask you, we've also seen this week that friendlies are now being approved. We've seen that being given the go-ahead because you do feel that, you know, these players, it's almost longer than what a normal pre-season would be like. How do you think crucial will it be? Because we haven't really got much time to have a lot of friendlies in there. Is there enough time for you to actually deem players fit enough to last a full 90 minutes? Um, I'd, I'd hope so. I'd, I'd, I'd hope so. Um, I mean, they have had the equivalent of a, a pre-season, a full pre-season. Don't get me wrong. I know they've been sort of isolated doing their own training plans. But, I mean, what? They, 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 when we get to that first kickoff, it will be, I think, four weeks. So I'd hope they are fit enough. And um, you'd certainly hope so. Um, I wonder what sort of playing in temperature would be like as well, because I'd imagine, you know, with, with you know the majority of games taking place, well, all the games taking place over the summer, um, that, you know, we're going to see maybe a different sort of climate, maybe water breaks, something like that. There might be increased breaks. But um, I can't see there being any issues with fitness unless, of course, um, there is someone who has recovered from illness, um, you know, maybe struggled in terms of, um, you know, drop some weight and stuff. You, you, you just don't know. But with the time, again, the time that they've taken, the four or five weeks to, to confirm that, 
you know, the season will start on X, Y, Z day. The gap, it's, it's big enough. It really is big enough and, and there shouldn't be any problems. And we also know that the PGMO referees and assistants are yet to actually be tested for COVID-19 and for now club coaching staff will referee matches it's hoped that the country's top referees will be available to officiate in the week before the plan returns to match action on June the 17th but in terms of the venues for friendlies that we know they can't be any more than 90 minutes away and players must travel in their own cars to and from the fixtures while wearing their kits that they will actually play in I mean Lee again it's another significant step trying to prepare now to have friendlies in place to ensure that players, when they have that first game, they're not going to be fallen to injury in the first 10-15 minutes because it's one of those things that when you get out on that pitch, it is still the Premier League. It's still going to be a competitive league with or without the fans there. Every player who's going to be out there wants to win the game. Yeah, I, yeah, completely agree. And I think that it's um, it's quite interesting. I was, I've got a wave of excitement in my tummy in the week when um, when uh, when it was announced that we could do some friendlies. Because I did think, you know, like what you and Aaron have just talked about, it's kind of how do you get match fit? Well, the only, play, the only way you can get match fit is by playing games. So, you know, if, you, if it is a pre-season, by this point, we'd have been all over, I don't know, America or Asia or whatever on some some Audi Cup tour. And we'd have played, we'd have played a load of friendlies by now. So to, to get that match fit, up. So I did get a wave of excitement when it was announced that the that we was going to do so and we can play some friendlies. Um, so I thought that was quite uh, quite interesting. Um, you know, in terms of the the referees, don't need referees, do we? We've got VAR, aren't we? Like, why, why can't we just do that? You know, that's a that's a that's a ready that's a ready made COVID nineteen um, situation already. You know, you don't need to take the referees at all to the game. Just use the video referee. But I suppose that's a whole new different debate. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that you know the the injuries. The, the only thing that that it concerns, not concerns, that's a silly word, the only thing I'm mindful of, that's probably the best way to put it, the thing that I'm mindful of and the thing that I'm also excited about is the same thing, which is you know, the fact that we've got Sissoko back, the fact that we've got Sonny back, the fact that we've got Kane back, the fact that we've got, um, you know, Bergie back as well, even though he played mo- most of uh, all of the games, I think, I've, 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 and he got injured in the last one before before the season break. You know, we've got them four uh, players back into the squad. Everybody's fit in terms of, you know, no injuries per se. But, you know, I suppose the thing to be mindful of is what you just said, you know, come out, it's high intensity, it's Premier League bang, hamstring goes, or, you know, they're not right. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of thing is what you're referring to, Rick. Well, on a, hot, on a side note, Hyunmin Son has come out in an article today and said that this is the fittest he's ever been or something like that. He's just done yeah, military well, he did military, service, didn't he? he? Yeah. Yes, he says, yeah, I'm Rachel. super fit, I'm ready. You know, yeah. so... And he's had a haircut. And he's had a haircut, yeah. by the way. You all know, you all know what haircuts do, you. So, yeah, it's, it's a good point. So, I mean, I think... I know we get into it a bit later, you know, from from the Spurs side of things, but how the squads match up, not just with Man United, but with everyone else. And, you know, I actually think this break, you know, regardless of, you know, how it's come about, we wouldn't wish that on on our worst enemies. Um, But but the reality is, I think this is going to really benefit Tottenham. I I generally do. I think this is going to benefit us. And, you know, that's going to see that in in these next couple of weeks or so. And when we kick off again on a a sunny Friday night in, in London sometime. Yeah, I mean, they are predicted, aren't they, that it looks like Spurs will be on the Friday, the initial Friday for that game. It's been earmarked, I know, by the Athletic in terms of that's when they believe that May United fixture against Spurs will take place. And we're going to go into that very, very in deep, very, very soon. But before we do, just one final one, Jay, coming over to you. We know that if these friendlies are going to be held at the stadium, 
players will enter via the players' entrance and walk straight onto the pitch before warming up. Dressing rooms won't even be used. Premier League clubs were cleared to resume contract training, as we know, last week, paving the way for competitive action to commence on the 17th of June. For you, are you mm. comfortable with the idea of friendlies to try yeah. and get the fitness? Because otherwise, I feel like if we don't have any what? type yeah. of action, we're not going to be able to really what? get the best of these players. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Look, I think really this season is going to feel very new. As I think Lee said it last week, we don't really know what kind of condition these players are going to come back in and, and kind of the, uh, as a team. You know, we don't know whether Sheffield United will continue their fantastic form, whether Spurs might be able to try and turn it around. So it's going to be a completely different kind of playing field. You don't know how these teams are going to come back. And of course, that will be down to the fact of they'll be lacking match fitness. And of course, as you know, as the guys have already said, you know, how do you get match fitness as you just by simply playing games? So I think that it's a really good idea because, uh, as I said, that's really the only way that they're going to be able to kind of get to the levels that they were. Um, and, and of course, you know, we've, we've basically had a pre-season, so they are going to be slightly rusty. So I think these, these, these kind of uh, friendlies will be something that will be really important because, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to finish this season because we want to keep, as they've always said, about sporting integrity. And you kind of want it to have to be a level playing field in terms of how it was throughout the whole season. Um, and, and, and really, I think, um, you know, you want these teams to get back to where they were. And I think you do that by playing the friendly. So for me, um, I, I think it's a good idea. And we are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to be discussing in depth this Tottenham Hotspur against Manchester United fixture. Jose Mourinho, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, team selections formations, everything you can imagine as we do a real in-depth view of how this game is going to be played and what to expect. So do not go anywhere. We're back after this very, very short early break. Hello and welcome back to the second half of The Last Word on Spurs. As always, thank you for downloading us still during this difficult time. We really do appreciate your continued support for the show. And we're going to now really focus in depth in the potential of this Tottenham game against Manchester United, which we know is looks like subject to be the early Friday fixture in terms of what the Premier League are broadcasting out there, television rights. So, one to keep an eye on, but we're waiting for that to be confirmed in the near future. But what I want to come around and firstly ask you as is that during this enforced break we've had, a lot will be made in terms of when we do return, is it going to be a case of more fitter players, more better players or better coaches in terms of where we're going to see teams get results. And the reason why I bring this kind of up is Jose Mourinho from day one of this pandemic made a point of having every single Spurs player on a Zoom chat, 10am, in a routine every day. And we know that other managers weren't so keen to come back. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, when you're kind of looking in now in terms of what we're going to be expecting from all the teams... How ready do you think teams are? And is it down to the quality of coach that we're going to see the better results when we do come back? Um, I mean, firstly, with Mourinho and those Zoom calls, he's a very disciplined man. We all know that, how he you know, operated at Chelsea and, and, um, and into not so much at United. I think at United, player power won over in the end. Um, but you know he's been trying to tr- trying to trying to sort of earn his crust, if you like, with Spurs and 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 make sure he tries to keep things as as normal as possible. In terms of the coaching as well, you look at different clubs; they've taken different attitudes to how they've dealt with this situation, um, and 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 their sort of training regimes and whatnot. I think going forward, though, I mean, look, first and foremost, this is going to feel like the start of a new season. 
you know, um, and and although my club go into this sort of next period of games in in in, in pure form, I mean, I think it's nine clean sheets and eleven. Um, I hope the form book goes out the window, and I hope Liverpool lose every game. You know, let's be fair. Amen. It's one of it's it's one of them. It's my it's one of them sort of unknown ones, isn't it? I mean. Who knows how, how people are going to play? I mean, I know we're going to be talking about Spurs, Man United in a bit. I'll be honest with you, um, United could come out and be be absolutely stinking out there. Absol- there's a high chance that we, we we could be absolutely horrendous out there. There's a high chance Spurs could absolutely play us off the park because they've been so coached, so drilled. Effectively, this is going to be a pre-season for Mourinho. This is the pre-pre-season for Mourinho. Um, an opportunity for him to, to get ideas going, to, to sort of, you know, start fresh from the drawing board again, you know. Um, I don't know if it's about quality of coaching, maybe quantity of coaching as well. Maybe, you know, the opportunity to have that time with your players is really going to help squads work. I look at Nigel Pearson and Watford as well. You know, they're, they're, they were in a relegation sort of, um, uh, the relegation problem, if you like, um, before the season ended. They, they managed to haul themselves out. And you wonder how that's going to work for them. Bournemouth, on the slide as well. They'd won one in five just before this break. You wonder how, you know, Eddie Howe's been dealing with things. Uh, Dean Smith at Villa as well. Do they reckon that they can climb their way out of it? Um, You know, West Ham hovering, Brighton hovering. It's really interesting. But we just don't know. It's such an unpredictable time right now. You've got to appreciate that it's gonna it's gonna seem like a new season. It's gonna seem like these players have been through a preseason again, and and this is where the coaches earn their money. This is where they're gonna show you know what they've done over the past two three months has, has paid off. I'm glad as you kind of pun that there with the, with the you know what they're paid in terms of their money, and it's gonna be about that because Lee, obviously we can't get away from it. We sacked Maurizio Pochettino. I think start of November. Did we? I did. I missed that. Oh, I missed we, well, we did. I missed oh, that. Did we? We did. We did sack Maurizio Pochettino. I know it breaks uh, your heart every time I say that, but obviously we let him go on a compensation package that was for a lot of money. Uh, I think Mourinho mm. is on the wage of the third highest, either in the UK or, or the world globally. And I just wonder again, when you look at this kind of situation now, obviously the reason Mourinho was brought to the club is about this case that we want to see the club win trophies and this man is a serial winner and I obviously refer back to the point there of Aaron that he got into a routine with his players from day one with the assumption before we even knew the Premier League would come back that we are eventually going to come back and he was always trying to keep that spirit that morale with the players and I just wonder again is this down to when you look at Mourinho in detail his quality of coaching this is what the man is known for, the mentality perspective. Yes, he broke the social distancing when he went and obviously had tried to do that session with Tung Yun and Bele, but we understand it was for a, a good nature perspective that he wants to get the best out of the player. I just wonder again, from you looking in from the outside during this break, is this about now the quality of coaching that's being done with the players that we're going to see the quality in terms of the results of those teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. And, and I also hope so. So there's a bit of hope in there. But I also think that you, you're right. I think you, you turned it, to be fair. Um, you know, when, when Jose is living um, basically at the training ground with all of his staff, you've, you know, for that period of time, what else are they going to be doing? Watching, you know, Netflix and chill. Uh, they might be, but I, I can I can guarantee you that for 16 hours a day, they're living and breathing tactics. Um, I've done a piece actually for for something to do with my my, my business about 
uh, 18 months ago. Um, and it was about um, uh, obje- uh, having an objective, having a strategy and having tactics to OST um, uh, form. Some people might, might know what that is. And Jose is is a key key believer in that, that type of, uh, of, of formula. So your objective is to, I don't know, go and win the Premier League. You've got to wrap a strategy around what that, 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 that looks like. So it's the how. And then it's the tactics that you deploy it on a week by week or a you know day by day or a month by month basis in order to be able to hit 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 your objective uh, essentially, which is to go and win something. Now we already know, uh, all of us know that we can't win anything this year. We know that we're out of all the cup competitions and we ain't going to win the Premier League. Although um, it would be nice to be able to think that, but but so we we can't go and win anything now. But as Aaron said, and you just touched on Rick as well, this is like a new season. So you know, and I think I think Jamie and I talked about this. Uh, last week when when we had uh, the brilliant Bridgie on but when, when we talked about um, you know this, it's like a little mini league you know, every single player and this is not just a Tottenham of course but every single player is going to be like right Okay, I wanna I wanna start well. I wanna make sure that I'm in the side. I want you know I'm fresh. I'm I'm ready to go again. We've all we're all itching to play football. I think the the major difference with Tottenham and and like what um, Aaron just said as well about Watford, uh, for example, they we've just recently changed our managers. Like you just brought up about Potch. So you know Mourinho hasn't had. Look, people have pelters at me at Lee McQueen on Twitter if you want, but but you know people say oh he has had enough time, but he hasn't had enough time to get a settled side. And the reason why he hasn't had enough time to get a settled side is because one of time, as we just talked about, but two, um, injuries. Right. So so now he's got a fully fit squad for the first time to actually um, to uh, to pick from. He's also now got the opportunity of having spent three months, however it came about, having three months with preseason under their belt tactically get their objective straight, their strategy right, their tactics right, to go out and win football matches. And and, uh, no matter what anybody says, Jose Mourinho wins football matches. That's what he does. So I'm very optimistic that, not that we're going to win anything this season, of course, like I'm not that mad, um, but, you know, I'm very optimistic that we can we can start. Like I said, I think I think I said it last week or a couple of weeks ago as well. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if we come out and we win two, lose three, win two, lose one, win three. It wouldn't surprise me, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we went and won all nine games. Just would not surprise me because that, for me, this break... There's 20 Premier League teams in there, uh, as is mentioned, Watford, maybe Bournemouth in the Aston Villa, whatever. The, the break would have helped for sure. But it absolutely 100% has helped Tottenham Hotspur. And Bridget said it last week, you know, Son's season was over. Kane's season was over. Berge's season was over. It was debatable whether Sissoko's going to come back. They're all back. That is a massive, massive boost. And when you've had that reset button, many businesses, many people, many people's lives have had a reset during the COVID-19 break, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club are no different. We've had that reset. And from a playing perspective, it can only be positive. I, I can't, I don't know if you, you agree with me, Rick, or, or not, or the lads, uh, or the listeners, I can't see a negative from a Spurs perspective, selfishly, uh, than having this break. I just think it can only be positive. Well, Ndombele constantly injured. We had, you know, all them other injuries that we've just mentioned about. You know, we've had we've had people that are kind of being pushed in or being pushed to their limits. And, and, you know, but Bergvine, we, we, we played in what? You know, every single game. I think, Jamie, you mentioned it last week. He played every minute of every game that he could and then he gets injured. So, I think this break can only been a positive, Rick. Do you not agree? I agree. And that's why I'm going to be quite bad here and I'm going to give Jamie more the harsher question. Jay, 
Mourinho's win percentage at Tottenham so far is 42%. Yeah. It's 11 wins out of 26. Now, I want to caveat that by saying that I think up until the game against Aston Villa, which we won, we were three points again back mm-hmm. off the top four where Chelsea was sitting and we accumulated I think the second highest amount of points in the Premier League since Mourinho took over along with Man City like Lee has said there very clearly he has now got a full available squad to him and I know there's that argument that he hasn't had long to work with the players I wonder how long we can say that because only on the basis that he has spent every single day with this group of guys and maybe he's not been able to be with them on the field but I think he knows of these mm. guys now mentally, what they can give to the team physically. And I yeah. just wonder now, when do you start really judging Jose Mourinho? Will you be yeah. judging him over these next nine games? Or are you going to say, no, I am going to judge him once he's had a full summer and you're not going to really worry too much about these nine games. And once he's had some kind of a transfer window, which let's be honest about it, we still don't know what the transfer window is going to look like. It certainly won't look like what we thought it was going to be. But I just wonder, in these next yeah. nine games for you, how are you judging Jose Mourinho? Yeah, look, look. I think this, as as Leeds just said, it was a really important point for Spurs because it has been a fantastic chance for really us just to hit that reset button. Um, you know, when Jose Mourinho's come in, he's really inherited a real mess. You know, that's why Mauricio Pochettino was had to go. Um, and of course, you know, he, he'd come in mid-season and that's very difficult to come in mid-season when you've had a squad, when you're inheriting a squad that's already been struggling. It's really difficult to try and galvanise them. But I think, and especially, of course, you know, these players had literally just come off one of the biggest defeats in their career in the Champions League final. But it really does feel like a chance. This has been that opportunity to kind of reset. And and for Mourinho, it's been that only chance that he's had to kind of get to know his players, as we mentioned, get his ideas across. So I think that that has been the most important thing. And that's why that re- this whole thing we mentioned about the reset is really important. Um, of course, you know, it's uh, Jose Mourinho's, of course, got new coaching staff set up this time. And, and you really just don't feel like he's had a very fair chance of, of trying to implement his ideas, really. I mean, of course, you know, we, we see the amount of injuries that he's had. Of course, you, you mentioned that Aston Villa game up until that point. It was all going really well. Well, of course, in that, that was the game we ended up losing Sonny in. And, and, and when you've lost, as I said, you know, when you've lost 50% of your goals in Harry Kane and, and Xiong Min Son across the season you're of course going to struggle. So for me, he just hasn't had a fair chance at the moment. Um, him and his, you know, again, it's it, obviously it'll be very interesting to see how it goes at Tottenham with his new coaching staff and perhaps the new ideas that they'll bring and kind of how it'll be different from his last two jobs in terms of at Manchester United and Chelsea. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, for, for the season to come back. I think that we've obviously seen the work that, that the, the coaching staff and the players have put in in kind of preparing us to get ready. Um, of course, I think the one we're all really excited to see coming back. And of course, Spurs have, have really been uh, pumping the message across in terms of Kane. You know, I think that's one we're, we're all really excited to see come back. Of course, it's been nearly six months since he's since he last played. So you, you'd really get the sense that he's kind of going to be raring to, to go. So He's someone that you're really excited to see back in the team. But again, as, as Lee and the guys have said, um, you know, it's, it, it's going to be really exciting to see him have all those players back. So it'll be difficult to know kind of how to judge him just off this season um, in the remaining games. But for me, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to, to see Tottenham when they come I, back. I, I disagree. I, I think if, if Spurs struggle in these next sort of nine games, I think he's bang in trouble. You know that? 
I really think he's banging trouble because let's be fair. Um, we all know come the summer there's going to be another war and it's probably going to be the most fascinating war um, between Levy and Mourinho in regards to transfers. Mourinho, let's make no bones about it. If he wants something, he will absolutely hammer it home. He wants something. He wanted a centre-half at United. In fact, forget that. Let's forget the centre-half. Let's go back to 2017-18. 2017, he wanted Ivan Perisic. I'm sure it was 2017. The board said no. They got him Sanchez in January. He played him wide right, completely messed it all up because it was a message to the board. You know what? You want to mess around with me? No problem. I'll do the same to you. He wanted a centre-back. They never backed him. They went and got Maguire after uh, after what was it, a year later or something like that. And he turns around on Sky Sports and goes, I was crying for a centre-half. Now, Daniel Levy, you know what? he's got his excuses ready for not having to spend money. Forget the stadium. We built a stadium. At the end of the day, Spurs furloughed however many people, you know, fair enough. That's their choice. But the world's economy is going to be struggling. Football will struggle. We won't see massive fees. Like, you know, apart from, you know, a handful of clubs, we won't see massive fees. Will Mourinho, if he struggles, say if you pick up two wins over the next nine games, will he get the same level of backing in the summer from Daniel Levy, as if you'd picked up nine out of nine. I don't think so. And I think he'll be cruising for a bruising then. I really think so. And we all know this next season will start, what, August, September. He struggles around that time of year. He really, really struggles. And I, and I worry for him. I really worry for him if this goes wrong. Really big time worry for him. It's, it's fascinating as you saying that because, again, there will be fans out there that will say, look, that he was never really their choice from, from day one. You know, we know that's very much the case. But there's also a lot of fans out there that do feel that, look, for any manager to be given the time, the way the Spurs squad was left before he came in, I think it's fair to say it was neglected. And then we look at January where I was very, very clear that at the time Spurs... We needed a striker. It wasn't a case that, you know, it would be a luxury. No, we needed a striker. You know, Harry Kane, we know with Kane now, and it's a, a point of saying that with Harry Kane looking at him into focus. Kane has had um, ligament damage, left foot, right foot, and he ruptured. And then we have to mention that point, he ruptured his hamstring. So with Harry Kane, you know now that for Spurs, there is no guarantee Harry Kane will be able to go and last seasons and seasons and seasons without picking up an injury. And this is why it's so interesting to kind of bring into fact the two clubs that we've got here with United and Tottenham because before this enforced break, as you mentioned United are in really, really good form. How do you feel now approaching this game with Tottenham that Spurs have got their players back? Yes, we don't know to some degree how fit they're going to be, but you guys want a great run of form. You were probably licking your lips going into this fixture. How do you 100%. feel about it now? We're unpredict- it's unpredictable. Completely unpredictable. Um... Under Solskjaer, we've seen peaks and troughs, complete peaks at the start of his reign where we went on that fabulous unbeaten run and we went to uh, we went to Paris and we turned it around and then it all came crashing down. This season has been a stinker as the start of it. But you know what? We are we seem like we're in a better place now, United. Um going I mean after the Burnley game, I mean, the Burnley defeat in January was was absolutely savage. And then obviously, you know, there were a lot of question marks around Solskjaer. Uh, we won, we beat Tranmere 6-0. I mean, it's Tranmere Rovers, let's be fair. And then that game against City in, in the League Cup second round, that in, in the second leg of the League Cup semi, that was very, very important. And then pushing on, you know, the win against Watford where we played poorly, the win against Chelsea where, you know what, we were lucky 
to have won there, let's be fair. But we beat Bruges 5-0, you know. And then the game against City, that was a massive game for United. A massive game for United. We played some very good football. And and it seems like slowly, very, very slowly, it's coming around for Solskjaer again. It's coming around. It seems like he's got getting the best out of the squad. He's worked out what his best eleven is. Um That's why I've, that's why I just to interact to has that's why I think it's it's a bad time for a break for Man United. Yeah, you, know, you, 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 you might yeah, you might you might get Pogba back and Rashford back. Uh, which they're going to be fully fit now. But other than that, you, you had a settled side. Um, you look at the way he lined up against Wolves. Um, so the last five fixtures for Manchester United, for example, um, after that Burnley defeat, it was a nil-nil draw against Wolves. He lined up at home with a four-two-three-one. Um, it was a uh, it was a it was a defensive. Uh, line up against Chelsea, uh, three at the back, three four one two. You had three shots on target that game. You won two nil. Yeah. Uh, but again, same personnel other than uh, the matter. I mean, I think Bruno Fernandez has been absolutely brilliant since he's Different come into, into into your side. You look at the Watford. You just re- reference that game, a home game again, set up exactly the same as a home game, a four two three one again. Nine shots on target. You won three nil. Bruno gets a goal. He gets an assist. Martial scores, Greenwood scores as well. You know, you, you, you're scoring for fun in that game, keeping clean sheets. Fantastic. Next game up, Everton. It's uh, away from home. You set up again, slightly defensive on a 4-1. Matic was very much almost pulling back in the centre-back in that game. Um, and you end up getting a 1-1 draw, to be fair. So when you, when you look at the Wolves away and Everton away, you, you get... Um, you get a couple of uh, oh, sorry. The Chelsea um, uh, game was it was a brilliant game. The Everton away, the lineups against the kind of the bigger teams or the away teams seem to be a little bit more more defensive. You line up against City at home. Uh, you have six shots on target. You again, you line up even though it's at home, it's a little bit more defensive. Three four one two. Bruno gets another assist. Martial scores. Yeah. Um, I think McTominay come off the bench that game in the 96th minute scored, if my memory serves me right. And you look at all of them last five fixtures, you've you've got two draws, three wins. You ain't lost any since the Burnley game. You've scored eight and you've only conceded one. Now, for me, that's fantastic. That is fantastic form. You know, your goals and assists, Martial is one of your top people. Couldn't get in the side before when, when Rashford was fit. He gets in the side when Rashford isn't. He scores three goals during them five games. Bruno, two assists, uh, two goals, three assists. So that, that you know, you look at that period, you think fantastic. For me, as a United fan, I'd be like, mate, no way, I don't want a season to stop now. I'm Believe rocking and rolling. A hundred percent. And and I mean, right now, you you look at those players. You know, I remember going on my own United podcast and mm. and sitting there, and you know what? It's depressing to do the podcast. Absolutely depressing to do the podcast because you sit there and you look at the squad and you're like, mate. Who is out there? But the signing of Bruno has been so crucial. That, as, as say I'd that. say, you know, it saved, it saved our season. It saved our season. Yeah. That, the emergence of Brandon Williams, absolutely fantastic. Brandon Williams is the reason Luke Shaw's playing well. You know, again, I picked Brandon Williams out as a, oh, as a key man in, in, the, in, in the setup that Solskjaer or Oligon Solskjaer likes to play yeah. against the bigger teams. He's yeah. set up against City, he had Brandon Williams in. Against Chelsea, he had Brandon Williams in. In the home games, he didn't have him in. He had uh, James and Shaw against Wolves, for example. So he's not afraid to mix it up, but he don't mix it up a lot. You know, you look at your back four or back three or your your, your defensive unit, shall we say, during all of them five last games, it's the same same people, same personnel. He just moved I, them around slightly differently. I think that's weak. I think Lindelof is the weakest link in that in that back line. To be honest, I think the man who deserves a recall is Bailly. You know, he's 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 
had serious injury problems. He can be a bit rash, but he's proven, especially in that game against Chelsea. My God, he was absolutely magnificent. He's proven um, that he can do the bizzo. That, that's uh, interesting, actually, because that, that game, just again, it, hopefully it's okay for just flowing through and whatever, because that game against Chelsea, he played a back three, 3-4-1-2. Three, he played Bay, Maguire and Shaw as three centre-backs with Williams just in front of Shaw to yes. back up your point um, yep. about making Shaw play well and Basaka um, as a kind of a, a right wing-back. Yep. Wan Basaka got, um, got an assist that game. Uh, Bruno got an assist, played kind of in, in, in a... F- it was like a just behind a front two. Um, and for me, he's, he's the danger man. You look at Bay, but actually what's interesting is the other four games that I've just referenced, Bay didn't play at all. And Lindelof played every other single match. And you've got Wambasaka, Lindelof, Maguire, and Shaw. He's all the of them link. played every single one. It's very interesting. Lind- Lindelof's the weak link. Lindelof is the mm. weakest link there. And that's why we're being linked with centre-halves, left, right, and centre, in terms of, I think, Kula Bali's the one that they're, they're pushing uh, towards United. He is the weak link. Until United address a few other areas, we'll continue with this back five. I think Solskjaer enjoys it because it frustrates a lot of teams. And and the energy that he's got, um, the energy that he's got this side playing with it is very important. I think, you know, you've got to look at um, a couple of other players. And you know what? I will hold my hands up and say, I said on my own podcast, on my United podcast, um, that Fred is probably the worst United signing I've ever seen in my life categorically. But you know what? I'm so glad he's proved me wrong because I'd rather be proven wrong than, than, than proven right. He's absolutely but, uh, tremendous in the way he's, he's, was, he's changed things up. So I was going to ask you if, if that's okay then as on, on that side of things. Because again, when you, when you look at the last five results, we're talking yeah. about this coming back, the whole Premier League coming back and Manchester United travelling to the mighty Tottenham Hotspur um, in, in, their, in their next fixture away from home. Uh, again, Fred has played every single one of them games. He's he's yeah. played alongside either Matic or Pereira. Um, mostly Matic. McTominay's been in there as well when he come yeah. back from injury. Um, and now you've got Paul Pogba back uh, or, or, or seemingly fit. What what happens? McTominay's now fit. Paul Pogba's he now doesn't fit. Start for what he happens doesn't start with for that? Does he, he or not? St- no way. Mm. No way. Before you reveal the team, Pogba. before you nah. reveal the team, as I want to want to just keep that. Back for a minute, ruining the team. And just ask Jay for a second. Jay, as Aaron's mentioned, and Lee's also brought it up, the introduction of Bruno Fernandes, a man that we know yeah. very, very well. Um, we know Spurs caught with this guy very heavily, um, a player that we were very keen on, as we know, yeah. previous summers ago. How much, yeah. in terms of that player's quality, scares you coming back yeah. to a game like this, where, for me, he's a player that could really not even be at his best, but yeah. still be individually brilliant and win a game at the blink of an eye. Having him in that United team, does that change everything for you now, the dimension mm-hmm. of how they set up and how they play against us? Yeah. Well, of, of course. I mean, it was interesting to hear Aaron say about um, how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has kind of adapted and he's kind of found the way of playing. But you really, it, for a long time, it really did feel like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it was just a matter of time before United would kind of move on from him. Um, so it is quite, it was really interesting to see the impact that Bruno's had um, in terms of coming into the team. I think with the links with Spurs, of course, for, for me, it was always kind of uh, a case of getting one. It was He was obviously one of the targets. I think in the end, we've gone with Lacelso, and I think we've all been very happy with how Lacelso has got on. Um, but of course, yeah, I mean, the, the impact that Bruno Fernandes has, has kind of had has been incredible. I know, um, of course, it was on social media. I saw he managed to get in the BBC Team of the Year off, off four or five games, which is 
which is quite funny. But it re- I really, you know, I had a real big argument with a couple of my mates. But I was saying even the impact that he's had in those games and the way that United are able to climb the table, um, I, I just think it's been incredible. And of course, you know, you, you look at that fixture and you do have to, you do really worry about Bruno Fernandes now. I think that lots of teams will be looking at Bruno Fernandes and think, I'm really worrying about him. And, and kind of having that fear factor in your team is is really important and having those sort of players. And, and for me, yeah, Bruno Fernandes, he's obviously made a fantastic start at United. In terms of looking at formations, chaps, for this game coming up, I know it's a couple of weeks away. We don't know where we're all going to be sitting, but it's just fascinating trying to see how the teams are going to set up. As to start with you, from a Man United perspective, tell us what formation do you think Oli will go with? And are there any Spurs players now that really scare you when you see that Spurs have got a full squad of them available for the moment? How do you think Oli will set up the counter against Tottenham? I, I think things have changed. I think things have changed completely. Uh, Pre-lockdown, no Son, no Kane, I think he would have gone with a bat of four. Now I think he's going with a bat five. I think it's all changed because, you know, you've got to be able to contain Son. Um, Kane, not so much, but Son. Son is the man. Um, so I can see him going with that three, five, one, two. Um, sorry, that three, four, one, two, three, five, one, two. It doesn't matter, does it? Three, four, one, two. Um, <laughs> you, know, you might need an extra player in there as to beat us. I'm, I'm, well, mate, <laughs> I need a new job. Yeah, three, four, one, two. They're going to bid me off soon. Three, four, one, two. Uh, I think is what they'll yeah. they'll go for, and I think you'll see. You know what? I, my midfield. I think it'll again. I think it'll be Matic and Fred or Matic and McTominay. I can't see him mm. starting Pogba. You know, I really after mm. all the issues United have had with Paul Pogba. I cannot see him, see him being thrown straight back in. The one player I think might get thrown back in is Rashford. I okay. really think yeah. uh, he yeah, might get I back agree. in there. Um, so for you, as just to be course, clear, you're saying it's definitely for you a 3-1-4-2. Three, three, is that what we're going with? That's well, 3-4-1-2. Three, 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 four, three, four, four, a 3-4-1-2 three, formation is what you're going to go with. And that's on the basis of whoever Spurs select. There's any players that you feel for Spurs that would worry you, you'd rather see without, obviously you'd rather see not seeing Harry Kane on there. Or would you be concerned? Because Kane, again, is coming back from a, a major injury. You know, it's one of those things I, where... I, I, th- I, I think Mourinho is the kind of man who will want to get one over on United. Mm. Let's be fair. The, the, the manner in which he left, he, he will want to get one over United. He's going to bring out the big guns. Of course he is. It's Spurs. It's, 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 it's Spurs versus Man United. He's going to want to win this game to prove, you know, what he's achieved effectively and how he's moved on and, and, and what he's implemented in his new squad. Um, a loss for him in this game could be catastrophic because it, it, think about the mentality as well. You know, um, I can't see him sitting back and and defending in this one I think you know he's going to go all guns blazing It's a very interesting point there you make as in terms of the approach to this game I mean Lee Spurs will be the home side in some aspect whether it is going to be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or whether it is at a neutral venue remains to be seen and again with the impact of not... hopefully it's at the stadium too, yeah so. of course I mean hopefully we, we all want that but again we just we just simply don't know right now and again it's the impact of maybe not having that crowd there and I look at games when I think about Spurs this season specifically the Man City game I think about that game and think if that Spurs team didn't have those fans in the second half would we have got that result and you know it's a case of you know normally you do play to the crowd. The crowd is such a massive strength. And I just wonder again, from that perspective, maybe, that affect, but, does that affect but you know, if you? we didn't have, 
I don't know, but if we didn't if we didn't have a crowd at the Newcastle uh, uh, at home uh, game, which we basically didn't have a crowd, the only one that was moaning because I was sitting in there probably moaning myself. Um, you know, do we lose one nil? So you know, I, I think I think I, I see your point, but I think everyone's in the same boat in, in that side of things in terms of crowds. We've seen in the Bundesliga. I think Jamie touched upon it last week that you know, the, or or Bridgie did. You know, when we talked about um, kind of away teams seem to be benefiting more from the kind of no, no crowd side of things. But again, I just I just want to pick up on a point, you know, from the, that has just made about Manchester United and, uh, uh, you know, in the form or in the formations and then coming on to, to do the same thing with Tottenham and profile them. Because uh, for, for me, I think he's going to go 3-4-1-2, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think he plays De Gea in goal, Lindelof, Maguire and Shaw. I think they are the people that he has trusted in the last, like like I've just said, five games or so. Uh, and they're trusted in the back uh, with uh, Juan Bissaka, um, Matic and Fred. And then there's a question mark for me whether it is, becomes Williams or James. Now, I know James is attacking and Williams is more kind of, you, you know, you're, you're an attacking um, uh, fullback type type person. But but it means that you're trying to get Rashford in that team. So, so for me, it's either Williams or James. You've got Bruno in the hole. Then with Martial or Rashford up front. Uh, it might be that Martial drops out. I agree. I agree with Vaz. I don't think Ingalo uh, gets in. I don't think Pop gets in. I think that he steps up and says, "You know what? We had a brilliant lineup against City, which was basically that. We won the game. We had a brilliant setup against Wolves, um, but we, we and we got a draw, which was a, a good result at the time. We had a brilliant lineup against Chelsea, which basically was what I've just said." And they won the game, so I think you know for for, uh, for for them that's how they line up against us, regardless of of all of our players coming back. I think coming from a Spurs perspective or a Tottenham perspective, I really do hope it is played at, uh, at the New Lane, as I like to call it, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> I think that it will make a huge difference. I think, you know, in terms of being two metres apart in the dressing room, uh, you know, certainly for the home dressing room, they've got enough space. I think they're three metres apart in the home dressing room. So you know, hopefully they'll be using the dressing room still and you know, being able to, you know, social distance, however, however that's going to work. And you know, hopefully in the, in, in the away end, they can uh, they all have to get off the bus and play straight away rather than uh, having, a, having a little bit of a chill in their dressing room. But, you know, all jokes aside, I think that it'd be brilliant to play at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And again, I just want to go through our last five results and get your take on this, lads, because... From a Tottenham Hotspur perspective, well, this is the thing, Rick, and this is the thing, right? So, you know, from a Tottenham Hotspur perspective, you take the same last five games as we've just done with Manchester United, um, and uh, it goes like this: we beat Man City at home two 0 uh, where we had uh, uh, Bergy score his first goal, which was a brilliant goal, um, and Son also scored as well. Uh, Lucas, uh, funnily enough, got an assist. That, that uh, Jason will like that one because Jason, uh, Jason, I always talk about Lucas not getting enough assists. Um, so he did get an assist that game. Uh, but actually, we started with a four-two-three-one. We had three shots on target that game, um, and uh, and they had a man sent off. I can't remember his name, Marilenny or somebody or other. Um, that he got, he got sent off, and then we ended up winning that game. Although we got battered. If you, if if any, it, it, all of us remember, we got kind of battered in terms of possession football and whatever. But we we, we won the game two 0 and kept a clean sheet. Uh, the next next lineup was Villa. We went away. We'd stuck with a 4-2-3-1, which is the only time that we've had two same formations under Jose Marino consecutively, which I think is interesting. Because if you remember, for, for those of you who actually listened to me on the pod, I waffle on so many times over the last kind of 12, 18 months when Potch was still there that we rotated all of the time our back three, our back four. We were the only club in the season last year to play three goalkeepers in the season. And, and again, that, that hasn't changed too much. 
a completely different uh, lineup. Um, you know, in terms of the the back, we had Jaffa at the back against City. Uh, we had Davis at the back against Villa. Uh, we had Winks and Dio in midfield against Villa. We had Winks and Gio in midfield against City. So again, very very different. However, um, you know, we did produce ten shots on target against Villa, and although we conceded two goals, Sonny got a brace. Um, as you remember, and as Jamie rightly said, at the end of that game, he, he got injured and that was the end of Sonny. But he was on fire. Son scored against City, scored two against uh, 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 Villa as well. He was actually on fire. And I give uh, credit to Toby as well. He scored an own goal that game, if, if anyone remembers. Do you remember? Toby scored an own goal against Villa. Um, and then he come up and scored it in the right end of, of the net as well to, to actually equalise. So um, we, we got kind of got away with one in the last minute there. Then we got Chelsea. And this was the big game because the Chelsea game was actually, if we turn them over, we go above them, we go to fourth place, blah, blah, blah. Um, we change the formation. So he's set up in a real defensive manner. 5-4-1 is, is how we essentially set up. We only had three shots on target. Um, the back four, back five line was completely different to anything he played before. Yet again, changing it around. Um, and we had uh, uh, Burgley up top on his own that, that game. Uh, we actually scored an own goal right in the dying seconds. I think Rudik has scored an own goal. We lost 2-1. But that game, we got battered. I think Chelsea had eight or nine shots on target against us. So it's not it's not happy reading on that. Wolves lineup. Um, again, so uh, they come to the, the, the amazing stadium. It's the top Motswell Stadium. We play a 3-4-3, a completely different lineup to, to the other three that I've already just talked about. We have five shots on target this this time around. We've actually played well. We have better possession than, uh, than we played okay. Uh, but again, we had a different goalkeeper this time. We had three at the back. It was completely different. Dyer played in, in, uh, in as a centre-back for the first time under Jose. Uh, we got goals from Berge and Serge and a, and a good assist from Deli Alley, um, but we played a, a, a completely different setup, like I said before. And then we come into the Burnley game and we lost that game 3 2, as you remember, from none of us want to, but we did. Um, and then we come into the Burnley game and we, and we get uh, absolutely taken apart. I mean, we were, let, let's, not be, let's not forget this, right? We were battered by Burnley. We got a 1 1 draw. We played a 3 4 2 1, which again is a completely different um, setup up to what we've been used to um, not not just under Poch but under Jose in the last four or five games that I've just talked about we only got two shots on target and we blatantly got away with one but at this point we had um, we had we were decimated with injury we had people that were playing on their last legs uh, we had Toby Dyer and Sanchez at the back uh, we had Jaffet and Skip played if you remember Skip actually played and Don Bele um, and Yan so we had a back five against Burnley um, uh, essentially which was um which was harrowing to 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 be fair, and we had Delhi up top. I mean, he did score uh, that game, and then then you look you look at the goals and assists for for Manchester United, and the key things that that stand out for me is that you know they they virtually had the same personnel in the last five or six games, same formations. Social knew what he was doing. He had a plan. He knew that he would switch out for home games, switch out for away games, depending on the the, the people that, that he the teams that he were playing. And Martial and Bruno were the absolute star men. And you look at Tottenham. We had we had different formations every single game. We had different personnel every single game. We had people playing in different positions. And then we had you know a range of different places. You know Son was absolutely on fire. Scored three goals, no assists. Lucas only one assist, no goals. Bergie two goals. Delhi one goal, one assist. 
And like coming back to you know the, the, the points that the lads are making, actually what James said, you know, you take Son and Kane out your side, 50% of your goals go. You know, we had not one back line the same, not one midfield the same, not one forward line the same in the last five games of, of before the COVID break. And we had three different formations during that period of time. So, you know, for, for me, we won two, we drew one, we lost two. We, we scored nine goals, but we let in 10. Now, now, if anyone's not clear, I know we ain't got visuals on the podcast, so forgive me for that. But if anyone's not clear, that's been the problem, like 100%. And that's why I go back to this break, this period of time that's allowed people to have a pre-season, the period of time to get people you know, back in, in the zone, back fit, back playing a tactical game like Mourinho's known for, it can only be a positive. We're not going to be set up in, in that in that mess that we was pre-COVID break. So I think that can only be a positive thing, Rick. I'm glad you, you bring that up, only because, Lee, in terms of the, the way and the structure of the goals and how we concede them. Because, Jay, what we have seen recently, and again, it's difficult to kind of look at other leagues and try and use them as indicative data as to what could happen here. But we have seen in the Bundesliga definitely a huger percentage of goals coming from set pieces. And we discussed earlier in the show that Jose Mourinho has been at home with his coaching staff, when we say at home, I think he was living originally with, with the coaching staff at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Since that, then he moved out from there with his coaching staff and was, I think, believe, renting an apartment close to the um, Hotspur Way site, as we know. How do you think, Jay, that Spurs are going to adapt their tactics now, having yeah. got a full squad available to them? And also the key indicator to bring into yeah. here as well is ahead of this Man United game for you, what do you think Spurs' formation will be ahead of that game? Yeah. Well, well, firstly, I think I think the main and one of the biggest things I think about this break is that it's really given Mourinho a chance to just kind of sit down with his coaching staff, have a chance with his players, and kind of get that message across. And that's something I don't really feel he's had that chance to do, um, especially when he's kept missing players. And that, you know, when when you've kept it, and as Lee made that point, I think it was a really interesting point, and it was something, you know. You look at many of the top sides that win the Premier League. You know, you look at Liverpool this season. You look at when Leicester beat us to the title. You look at um, Chelsea teams in the past. They always, all those successful teams always uh, work off a very similar team all the time. And of course, when you have to keep chopping and changing because you've got players dropping in and out because of injury and you keep adapting, you know, you don't, you just lose that, uh, that uh, continuity in your team. And that's something that spurs you know, in that time where we had really struggled, um, when we'd had Son and Kane drop out the team, we had to keep chopping and changing. And that's why I, was, I thought it was a really interesting point and that, that Leeds has made. That is something that Spurs have really missed, having that continuity and being able to pick the same players each week. I said that's, you know, that's that's how successful teams operate off. Um, and of course, you know, one thing we, we always know with Jose Mourinho is that he's obviously a fantastic coach in terms of the defensive side. And, you know, you just hope that that's something that he can try and work out because, you know, we, we all knew that that was something that hopefully he'd try and bring. Um, but obviously, it's, it is difficult because you you look at that defence and um, there is a lot of a lot of concerns in it. But you, you just hope that he's able to kind of come up with a way that's able to try and find a resolution to it. But yeah, I, I think it's I think it's the, the most important point. And as Lee, of course, as Lee just said. You know, having that con- consistency in terms of the lineup is is something that's going to be really important for Spurs. Ahead of this United game, then Jay also to kind of bring it in as I mentioned formation yeah. for you. Mm. Bear yeah. in mind, you've heard what Aaron uh, said in terms of the 
in terms of the formation he's going to go with, what do you think Spurs are likely to go with in terms of formation? Because Lee's mentioned just of how many yeah. times we have chopped and changed it with Mourinho. Yeah, yeah look, I, I think we all kind of know that Mourinho will probably be looking towards like a, a, a 4 3 3 at Spurs. Hopefully, with all the players that he has kind of available, you will we will be looking at something like a 4 3 3. I think that that's what. He will go with, of course. You know, you could you could kind of say it would be similar in a four-two-three-one as well. Um, but really, you know, it's about picking players. You hope he's going to pick players that are able to that you, he can trust and that are going to be at that level that are ready to go. I think you know it won't necessarily be the team that we'll want over the long longer period, where you might include the likes of Ndombele. Um, Maybe you wouldn't have Lucas in the team, but obviously Lucas is a player who's always fit and available. Um, he's a guy you can trust. And I think in this situation where, you know, you're going to be coming back and you need to be ready straight away, I think he's going to be needing to kind of pick a lineup that's more he can trust and that he knows that's going to be raring to go. So, yeah, but that uh, that's something that I'll be interested to see. But, yeah, for me, uh, I think Jose Mourinho will be looking like a 4 through 3 OK, well, let's get into the teams then in terms of what we may think, predictive-wise, the coaches may go with. As let's come back round to you. What do you think, if you're already going to Solskjaer, is going to be his team <laughs> to face Tottenham Hotspur? Uh, so, of course, it'll be De Gea in goal. Uh, a back three of Shaw. I'd go Eric Bailly, purely because I think he's more mobile. Uh, Shaw, Bailly and Harry Maguire. And I'd pin Maguire on Kane, purely for the sort of aerial uh, aerial prowess that Kane has. Um, I'd go with Juan Bissaka and Brandon Williams as the fullbacks. Uh, in midfield, it's such a tough one now. Obviously, Pogba's back. You've got Matic who's in form. You've got Fred who's in form. You've got McTominay's in form. It's got to be McTominay and Fred for me. McTominay's a big game player. If he doesn't play him, I'll be absolutely baffled. He is a big game player. He always turns up uh, for United in those games where you need him. And Fred, probably the most uh, improved player United has seen over the season. Absolutely fantastic and um, and really, really justifies his place. Uh, Bruno, of course, just ahead of him. Is there anyone else? And up top, it's got to be Rashford and Martial with uh, Igalo on the bench. Um, really pleased as well, Igalo's um, sticking around for another six months, you know? How vital do you think, as for your squad in particular, will it be to have the five substitutes that the Premier League have now upped it to available? Is that very key for United? Do you believe? Uh, yeah, because we've struggled with injuries. We've struggled with injuries. I mean, everyone knows that up top, United have have lacked presence. We've lacked um, depth, hence why they've got the Igalo deal done. And I think, you know, extending it makes a lot of sense. He's he's He wants to play for the club um, and, and it's all good for everyone. In terms of having that opportunity, I think it just keeps freshness in, doesn't it? It just it just gives everyone the opportunity to 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 be a bit fresh. To be honest, I wouldn't keep that whole five substitutes rule. I'd knock it back down to three. I think three again earns managers their 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 cross. It, it doesn't give them um, as much margin for error, if you like. You know, with, with five subs, you're given the opportunity to change things around on a major scale. If if you mess it up, why should they have that opportunity? Um, but look, you know, it, it's there. It is. It is what it is, and um, I'm sure Solskjaer will uh, will use it if he's got the players there available to him. Yep, fascinating. Well, there you go, Aaron's predicted Man United team. Lee, let's come round to you for your predicted Spurs team. Because I know you've been probably similar as me, chopping and changing, tearing your hair out as to... Because now I look at it, we've got some... You know, you mentioned it the other week. You look at our team now, and don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm going to be very, very clear. For me, the squad is still not good enough 
to really, I think, push on to that next level. I still think we're very severely lacking at fullback. But in terms of midfield and attack, I mean, Spurs have got a real good array of options that I think many top, top sides in Europe and across the top sides in the Premier League, they would want to have. So, fascinated Lee, yeah. to hear your starting eleven. Well, I think I think you've just touched upon upon the fullback situation there. And for, for me, that's why I've gone with a formation that I have because instead of uh, pushing fullbacks on, it gives us a bit more um, solidity, um, you know, in in the defensive in a defensive unit. And you know, I've tried to pick a team that I think that I that I would want to see rather than what I think Jose will pick, um, and 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 also to combat what I think. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will pick. So I think here go De Gea in goal, Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, Fred um, and uh, McTominay, uh, Wan-Bissaka and Williams with Bruno and Martial and Rashford. So I, I, I picked the same formation, the same team. Uh, I, I, either James or Williams, I wasn't sure, but I picked the same situation as well as did. So when you look at the Tottenham team, I've gone with a 4-2-3-1. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. The first reason is that when we went to Old Trafford, um, in 2019 still, uh, Delhi scored that wild goal. Uh, Rashford got two against us. We actually had more possession than more touches than them. We had more of the ball than them um, during that period. We had five shots on target and had seven. Um, we had uh, you know, limited. It was a good game of football, actually. It was, it was quite a good game of football in terms of, you know, not, not each team got battered or whatever. And I, and I think that Manchester United at home set up in that way and we matched them. I think they come to Tottenham being away, they will, will set up slightly different. And I think that Going with a back four just allows us to to, to be a little bit um, uh, what's the word fluid in game. So I've gone with Lloris in goal um, and a back four of Ben Davies, uh, Davison Sanchez, uh, Toby Alderweireld, and Jaffet Tanganga as my right back. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I think that Davis doesn't get enough credit for when he can go forward. Uh, when he had a really long stint in the team, when he was free of injury, by the way, he surpassed the amount of assists and the amount of attacking options that he gave when we had a fantastic Danny Rose. Now, I know there'd be some people who say I'm talking, you know, SHIT there, but go and look at the stats books and, and it'll back that up. Um, I think Sanchez and Toby in the back are going to be the future of the, of, of, of uh, certainly over the next, uh, you know, season or so. Um, and when I mean that, I, I mean in terms of Yamba Tongan probably not signing a new contract, which I'm sad about. I love the guy to bits, but I think that that's the right thing. And, and also, Sanchez has got a lot of pace as a centre back. I think um, you know to you know to combat the Martial and Rashford side of things, you're going to need a pacey centre back. And that's the other reason why I've put Jaffet in as a right back because I think that he's shown he's shown he's got some fantastic pace. Brilliant defensive mind, but he's, he, he can also get forward if we want to be fluid, as Davis can. So they're not marauding fullbacks. I understand that. But if you look at the way Jose likes to play as well, he wants to solidify a solid back line. And the amount of goals that we've conceded in the last five games, if I just highlighted like 10, 15 minutes ago, we need to shore that up. We need to stop them. So in front of that back four, I've got a two. And I've put in... This is where I'm really, you know, I'm happy to have a massive debate, of course. But I've put in Tingan Dembele and I've put Musa Sissoko 
And, you know, for me, Winks just misses out. But you can put Winks in there with Sissoko or you can put Winks in there instead of Sissoko because I think Winks is excellent. I'll back him all day long. But I just think for this game, I think you need somebody that's going to be able to get around the pitch and have an absolute engine on him to stop Bruno Fernandes. And I think for me, that's Sissoko. So I think if you can get Sissoko on Starman Bruno Fernandes and so he can't pick up them pockets um, in and around that kind of number 10, 10 role, I think Sissoko can do that job for him and, and, and they run all day for you. And I think in Dembele, you know, everyone's saying that he's fit and, you know, we, I think he's going to be a world-class player, as most of us do. Now, he'll be able to start to pull the strings, win the ball back, a Sanchez, a Toby, a Sissoko, a Jaffet, a Davis, win the ball back, give it to Dembele and then let him push on to that, that attacking front four, which I've gone with as Lo uh, Celso uh, on the right, Son on the left, Delhi as your number 10 behind the, the the best world number nine in Harry Kane. And I think that actually if you if you if you step up with that, you've got Kane and Maguire battle, you've got a song down the left hand side against a Wambasaka and a Lindelof side, keeping them two really busy. You've got a Delhi that can to make them them runs in behind a Fred or in behind a Scott McTominay um a, a, as well. And you've got a LaCelso who's is a little bit of an unknown, you know, running at the likes of a James or a or a Williams, depending on how you go with. So I, I think for me it goes a four, two, three, one. And I think we've got a very, very strong chance. I think the star men are Bruno um and Martial Stroke Rashford, depending on what he plays. But I think the the star men for us are Son and Harry Kane. And to have them back is is, is absolute game changer. It's funny, isn't it, when you read out a team like that that we could field, and you think back to God, Burnley, um, before that in force break. I mean, it's incredible to think now we're in a position where we can put it's, out a team like that. Rick, you, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, I ain't gone for the bench. I think the, the five substitutes also land in Tottenham's favour because yeah, I'm yeah. going to read this out. And regardless, of, you know, people have public, you know, their own opinions on certain players, and that's fine. But we got a guy who's on the bench who doesn't even make my side. He scored a Champions League semi-final hat-trick, you know, just a year ago. We've got Sessignon, we've got Lucas, we've got Berge. Everyone's probably saying to me, why aren't you playing Bergwijn? He should be in the side. But again, for me, for him coming off the bench and making an absolute difference, you know, with his pace, with his power and what he can do. You've got Lamella, you've got Serge Aurier. He doesn't make my side for uh, for, for the reasons of, um, I think Rashford will get in behind him. I think these penalties, uh, you know, to, to, to give away there. So, so, so for me, his defensive qualities are not as strong, as powerful as a Jaffet Tanganga. You've got Winks, we've mentioned, we've got Dyer, we've got Yang, we've got, uh, we've got Skip, we've got Jetson. I mean, we've got a bench there that I'm not saying it's going to go and win the Premier League. That's mathematically impossible for us now. But, but actually, for these next nine games, we've got a squad of players there. That we can't do anything different than these next nine games, can we, Rick or Jamie? I know you're the transfer gurus. We can't go and buy a player tomorrow because the transfer window's closed. So what we've got and where we are now, I think that's pretty solid. And and I, and I would I would be um, I'm I'm excited. I have to say I'm not I'm not going to lie. The average side, uh, uh, the average age, sorry, the team as well is 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 young. Um, I think I think we've we've got a really good opportunity for sure. Let's bring you in, Jay. What for you would be your starting eleven? Obviously, yeah. providing everybody is fully fit. I say fully fit, fully mentally fit for the game against Manchester yeah. United. I, I think the most important thing about kind of players coming back is that we've got a real option to midfield. I think that that was something that we did struggle in last time when we went to Old Trafford. I think we kind of really got overrun in midfield. I remember it was uh, Moussa Sissoko and Harry Winks in the middle. I think that uh, Sissoko ended up kept on getting uh, dragged to a side because he was having a cover for Serge Aurier. 
So I think that Jose Mourinho probably will play it differently. I do think, as I said, I think it will be a 4-2-3 lineup. Um, I think I've gone for a pretty much similar back four as, as, as Leisha said. So obviously Loris, I think Tanganga at right back. And again, I think uh, Sanchez and Alderweireld. Um, and I, I think Lee's right there in terms of, um, you know, over the next season or so. I do think that that will be the kind of the partnership going forward. You just hope that Toby has that one more year um, at the top. You know, he's had a mixed season, but I do feel as though he has got one more good year in him. I think that Ben Davis is a guy uh, that, that, that will, will come into the team at left back. Of course, he's a, I, I think that Mourinho did make a, a point about him at the start. You know, he really wanted the way he wanted to operate with his back four. He wanted to have... Uh, one fullback going able to go forward, and we've obviously seen that that Jaffe Tanganga, as well as being a fantastic defender, he's also got that ability to get forward. I think it was that game against Middlesbrough when he was, you know, I think it was one of his first performances as a fullback, and it was incredible to see him flying up the pitch. So, for me, I think having Davis will will be really key. But I think it'd be three in midfield. I think um, I think it'd be Harry Winks. I think the Celso has kind of um, found a found a way of playing in that in in that three. Um, and then I actually think Delhi will play in the three as well. Um, so that would be my midfield three. I think then the attack would be Lucas, Kane and Son. Um, and I, although I, I think that, you know, in terms of Lee's point on on, on playing in Dombele and Sissoko, as I said, I think it comes down to, yes, I think those are two fantastic players and that is a midfield partnership that I'm excited to, to see. But of course, you know, you had Ndombele who's had his struggles this year with fitness. You've, of course, had Sissoko coming back. So, for me, it's about picking players that are kind of ready to go, uh, that are going to be fully fit, that have, uh, that you can kind of trust in terms of their fitness. So, I think that that's the most important thing rather than maybe picking players that, you know, we want to see feature long-term and that we're excited to see play. Again, it's just about kind of picking players that we can trust. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my lineup. I think, chaps, I've kind of called out a controversial one here. It might not be too controversial. For me, I kind of see it as an idea for the future, or should I say the start of a new era. I've gone with Loris in goal, but I've gone with the two full-backs being Sessegnong and Tanganga. I've gone all British, and I kind of look back to kind of the Danny Rose and Kyle Walker. And I don't know if Mourinho is, again, it's his kind of my team, what I'd love to see. Is he daring enough, we say to dare is to do, to start with Sessegnong and Tanganga at full-back with Sanchez and Alderweireld as those central defenders? And I just, again... It's, it's tricky because, obviously, they haven't had too much experience in terms of big game mentality, Tanganga and Sessegnon. We know Tanganga got his Rick. break. Mm. No, Rick, having watched Sessegnon for two seasons in the Championship, let me tell you something. You put Sessegnon up against Rashford, Rashford eat him up. He's not a fullback. That's the bad I, thing about it. He's not a fullback. And do you know what? One thing I'll say, you might want to see it. Mm. Mourinho will ruin him. If Mourinho tries to turn him into a fullback... And persists and and insists he and he pigeonholes him as a fullback when he's so much better as that flying marauding winger that can get into spaces and do little things and drop the shoulder. He'll ruin him. He'll I, absolutely ruin him. I mean, for me, as I think I I see his career starting off as a fullback, but then progressing into that marauding winger. I, I mean, again, for me, I look at Tottenham's options. Davis for me at left back. I think he's far far too slow. And whilst he's got great discipline and maybe that's the reason why Mourinho would go in for Davis over Sessignon I think Sessignon the pace he could offer on the outlet and when Tanganga as well you know Spurs haven't got the when you look at Spurs' squad in terms of fullbacks they're not the quickest Aurea does offer pace don't get me wrong but I think for Spurs it's an option we may see 
You know, it's an option that I'd love to see. And then we've got a midfield I would have gone with of La Celso, Undenbele and Sissoko. With then the three forwards being Son, Kane, Bergwijn. And now that means me leaving Deli on the bench. And Deli Alley again, I know he's a player that does 100% with Spurs fans split opinion. For me, Deli's a player that can do something incredible in the blink of an eye, which you know as he scored that wonderful goal against you guys um, yeah. in that defeat. We've seen it with Delhi, but there are games that Delhi goes missing. And again, there's been a lot to happen with Delhi recently. Delhi Ali normally is one of the first names on the team sheet, so it's a really tricky one to decide to leave him out. But again, when you look at the Spurs team surrounding that, you've still got a bench of Gazaniga, Vertonghen, Aurea, as Lee mentioned, Champions League, Hattrick, Lucas Mora. There's Harry Winks, there's Sissoko, there's Jedson, there's Lamella, there's Skip, there's Davis, there's Foyf. I mean, Spurs have got a huge I, amount of options. I've got a question for you, Chats, actually. Just a very quick one. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, Ali's been at Spurs now, what, five, five, five coming on six years. Um, if, say, Newcastle get taken over by the Saudis, pumped full of money, could you see Spurs potentially cashing in on him if a club like a Newcastle and Everton come with a, a substantial offer? I think it's a disgrace. No, no offence to Everton and, and Newcastle. We probably mm. don't listen to this pod anyway. But I think it's a disgrace to actually put Delhi's name in them clubs. Like That guy is the, one of the best talents we've got in English football. He is so under underappreciated. It is unbelievable. And it's obviously my opinion. But th- this guy... Is, is going to break all midfield records. I'm telling you now, all these midfield they records really have Lampards. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, Jamie. So, you know, the, the reality is, you know, whether or not they've got loads of money or not, the fact mm. of the matter is, to be, to be, to be uh, you know, linked or to, to be put with these clubs, yeah. this, this guy could walk into another top four, top five club, no problem. This yeah. guy, if, if, he's, if, if he's going to be sold, this guy can walk into uh, a yeah. Real Madrid, in my opinion, a Bayern Munich, an AC Milan, whatever, you know, uh, you know Juventus. It is an absolute. Oh, you can no, no, Macky, you can say that. Talent. No, you can say that. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. But at the end of the day, money talks. I.e., Robinho, Man City, Yaya Toure, Man City, Aguero, yeah, but days Man that You City. said it yourself, as the then days are gone. No, no one's going to come and spend. No, Deli Ali, pre-COVID, in my opinion, he's an eighty million pound player. Right, maybe even more than that, you know, in terms of his age, in terms of the contract length he's got, what he's achieved in the game, you know, being being English talent as well, always puts a 20% premium on it. You know, Post-COVID, no one knows what he's going to be, but he's not going to fetch anything near 80 million. Well, Newcastle you know, or the Saudis? Come on. They'll want to make a statement signing. They yeah, want to make a statement signing. You know, for for you know, a statement signing for them, is is that a Deli Alley for them? You know, for, for us to, to leave... To leave to, to leave our football club would be a ma- massive blow. And the last point I would just want to make on that, from an opinion perspective, and I will shut my mouth in a minute, Rick, I promise, is Deli Alley and Kane playing together in the same side with Deli Alley is a, in and around a number 10. It, it is his best position without a shadow of a doubt. He had his best season up, virtually up top on the shoulder with Kane. And that, for me, is why the, 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 the formation of a 4-3-3 doesn't lend itself as well to get Delhi in the side, and I'm a massive fan of him. So you know, I have to get him in my side, and, and that's why I play a four-two-three-one. I get him on Kane's shoulder. It, it's a real tricky one. Yeah. You want to try yeah. and fit in Bergwijn. You want to try and again fit in Sonny with Kane. It's such a dilemma, Jay, isn't it? In terms of trying to piece together. Yeah, but I, Ali, I know you've always been a big Ali fan. Yeah, of course. And uh, Lee, I think that's uh, you know so that's a really good point. You know that he's always operated best when he's been working with Harry Kane. And I think that over the last couple of you know, season or so, he hasn't really been had that chance because, of course, Kane's missed so many matches. 
And um, I, I really feel as though, you know, we, there is so much talent there in Delhi Ali, and I just really feel as though there is kind of like a mental issue. I think it's confidence. And I think that as soon as he kind of has that moment of confidence, then it all come flowing back. I, I really think that he's he's got that ability you know, I think one player that I always look at, and I remember Jordan Henderson, you know, Jordan Henderson's route. I mean, he was obviously a guy that came through at Sunderland, was incredibly talented. Um, and that's why Liverpool paid all that money for him. And I think a lot of people kind of ridiculed him at the start of Liverpool, uh, at the start of his time at Liverpool. But he was given that opportunity and he had that, he was then given that confidence by Jurgen Klopp and they got the best out of him. And I think that Spurs have got another player like that in, in Harry Winks. And I think that these are, these are obviously we've got to remember these are still players that are 23, 24. They're still very young, and I, and I think it's just about get, having that confidence. I think with Winks, um, it's a case of you know trying to fit players in around him that can that can help him and do that job. Because I think last season, of course, he was really it was only he had Sissoko alongside him. Um, and I think with Deli Ali, I think with it's, it's about finding the right players around him. And as we know, Harry operates so well around Harry Kane and. And just when he has that confidence, he has that moment of confidence and that will really be helped trying to get that moment of confidence when he's got the right players around him. Then I, I really think that he'll, he'll come back to the levels that he once was because you don't achieve the sort of numbers that he has in his career if you aren't seriously talented. So for me, it's no, you know, I agree. just waiting, waiting I agree. for that moment. Totally agree. And I think, you know, I've gone on record so many times, Rick and, and the lads uh, and the listeners will know this as well. Um, you know, the, the, we, I think we we used to have the best front four in the Premier League. And that was Son, Kane, Deli Alley and Christian Eriksen. And, you know, I, I, you know, everyone's, oh, what about Liverpool's front three and what about Man City's front three? But I, I still think that, that our front four was amazing. You know, and I don't want to put a load of pressure on, on Gio, uh, Lo Celso, but, you know, yes, Christian Eriksen's moved on and we didn't see the best of him in the last kind of six, eight months or whatever, but he will still be remembered as a club legend when, when we all calm down. I, I do agree with that. But Lo Celso's in now and, and, and he is the choice and we didn't choose, we didn't we didn't take Bruno Fernandes and we, you know, maybe didn't want to come in and maybe want to go to the mighty Man United, which he's ended up that. But we've got Lo Celso and we are happy with him as, as Jamie, as you said earlier. So you look at that front four with Son, Deli, Lo Celso and Kane, you know, that, that that is, you know, no one can argue that Son's not world-class. I think he's absolutely world-class. The guy is unbelievable. Same with Kane. Um, you know, obviously we can debate Deli Ali for, for, for sure. But then, uh, again, if we want to play a 4-3-3, and I do, I do agree with the, the formation of 4-3-3 under a Mourinho and under the personnel that we've got. But I do struggle to get Deli Ali in that side with a 4-3-3. And that, that's pulling at me a bit. You know, the Sissoko versus Winks debate in in, in midfield, um, again, that pulls on me because I love how Harry Winks. I think he's completely underrated. But the ability to be able to get around and that power and that pace and just, I think for this game, Sissoko almost, not man marking, I don't know if you can do that anymore. I don't know. But, you know, just, just sniffing mm. around Bruno the whole game. You know what I mean, Ez? Like, I think that will work. I, 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 I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you, mate, on that Sissoko thing. Uh, I think if there's any man that's going to shackle Bruno Fernandes, it's it. This game has got so many parallels to it. It will be interesting to see in this next week or so when we do see more clips coming out of the players, just in terms of the 11s being brought together, how close our 11s will be when it comes to that game. And of course, we'll be bringing you the big preview here on the last word on Spurs. I hope you have enjoyed this real debate in terms of the real focus <laughs> of the game. I feel like we've done an MNF here. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Before we yeah. wrap up, Aaron, very kindly, has gone down the stadium recently and has got a I'm bit of an update a little, for us. Has. 
just a, just a bit of a security update, you know, just being like sort of like looking around and stuff. Actually, I've got a funny story which I thought would be fitting to tell on on. Oh. You know, if we, we think back to some of the crap we used to come out with on Love Sport, um, the cheese, <laughs> the cheese, etc. You know, I've got quite a funny story. So basically, um, for anyone who actually knows me quite well, I'm not good with stuff like pop culture trends. It's just not really my kind of thing. You know, I don't wear these Valencia shoes and all that crap. Um, and so I got introduced to a, we- a website by a friend of mine. Who she she goes to me. Have you ever heard of a website called Omegly or Omegle? And I go, oh, no, what's that all about? This was in lockdown. I was really bored. She goes, basically, it's a website where you press this button and you get connected to someone's video camera all over the world. Like, you know, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. You can press it. Let me just tell you something. I looked at a lot of Hampton straight away. There was a lot of, of genitalia on there, you know, but that's not, that's past the point. <laughs> I then, I, I ended up in a, like in a chat room with this geezer and, and he, his name's, his name's Jafar. Proper nice guy. Londoner. You know, you can just tell he's a Londoner as well. Like the way he speaks and all that. Um, you can tell by the accent and we got chatting. It's from South London, blah, 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 blah. And then the topic came on to chicken. And I said, look, you know, let's have a bit of a debate here. Give me your top three chicken places in London. And he goes, one is X, Y, Z, somewhere in South. Two is this. The first is a place you might not have heard of it. And I go, oh, yeah, where is it? He goes, Tottenham, High Road. And I go, yeah, go on. And he goes, chicken. And I go, the chicken? The chicken? Of course I know it. It is London's best chicken shop. And we both (laughs) unanimously agreed that the chicken is a market leader in what it does. And and this is how, I mean, Lee, look, you know, you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, you can tell me this. If a business doesn't change what it's doing, you don't change it unless it's broken, am I right? Yeah, I mean, the only, I think the changes that they've made, though, they've had a bit of an upgrade, don't they, on their signs and their kind of the decor and all that sort of stuff. Well, looks not, fantastic, doesn't I mean, doesn't decor, it? I mean, look, I mean, a lick of paint here and there, yeah. Oh, mate, but the board is still the same. It's basic. Yeah, now, I popped down and saw the Chick King. Now, let me tell you, everyone, whoever's worried, they have their COVID-19 measures in place. They have the glass screen. The Chick King himself, he was very pleased to see us. Very pleasing. He chucked us in an extra sausage in our order. I wanted ribs. He gave me a sausage. Fair enough. It is what it is. Yeah. But I've got to say as well, the Chick Prince, who is, you know, the gentleman that works here, I'm going to call him the Chick Prince because I presume that's his like his sort of role in the organisation. He was all decked up there. Do you know the big guards up on their faces and all that? Very efficient, in and out service. He's got a little system going and you walk in one way, you go around the front and back another and I'll tell you something, the fare on offer there was different class. The wings, oh my God, mate, you can't, you can't, you won't get any better crispy chicken wings than that. The chicken piece is world class as ever. I've got to say, the chicken, he is back on fire once again. Spurs, when that ground opens, mate, you, you, the geezer's going to be rushed off his feet. He's going to be rushed off his feet. And of course, he's a big listener to the old last word on Spurs. He does love the pod. So uh, shout out to the Chick King and uh, all the Chick Royal family down on doing the magic on the high road as usual. You know, you are London's best chicken shop. Everyone knows it. And we do know as they are obviously following strict social distancing regulations. 100%. Well. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. He's wearing the, the Chick King is wearing, you know, it's not a mask. It's, you know, that guard thing. You know, as if to do his trees outside. He's a tree. He's about to lop his trees outside. He's wearing that. He's got. He's got the the whole of the front of the counters perspexed up, and he's got a little hatch. 
and you collect your order from that little hatch. And you know what? You just think about it. You go, mate, the chick king leading the way, leading the way in chicken-based hygiene. It's it's absolutely admirable to see. And it's a big shop as well. Let's be fair. It's, it's, it's a big old shop. But, you know, the quality of the product has not diminished. Let me tell you that. He's still doing the biz. And I look forward to returning again. There you go. Just where you think last word on Spurs couldn't get any more in detail. You've then got an ultra-descriptive Aaron on the rise of Chick King and how they are going to battle and fight COVID-19 to once again become a global force. Aaron, it's been a pleasure, mate. Love it. Thank you ever so nice much one. for coming back on. As we will have to get you back on soon. Thank you ever so much. Thank you very much, mate. And we Absolutely wish you, we wish you the very best of luck as with the broadcast. Thank you. God, keep, keep safe, everyone. Yeah. Keep safe. Keep safe, Aaron, mate. Quality oh, to have you back on, fella. Pleasure. Lee Thank McQueen. You, Lee McQueen. MNF baby. We've gone through. God yes, only, God mate. Only oh, my word. He's done the book, I think. We've paid a guy 20 well, minutes a year for this. You, you know, you know, I've been wanting to do something like this for yeah. a while, Rick. And yeah. when, when you said about it earlier, I was like, mate, this this is fantastic. So, you know, I, hopefully I haven't bored everybody with, with a detail. But, you know, for, for me, it's about just, you know, j- just trying to have a look at, you know, things. P- people say that I'm sometimes blind optimism and un- unrealistic. So you know, I wanted to back it up with some some research and some stats to, tonight. And I think what for, for me, just doing the research, actually, and I think you brought this up earlier, Rick, is that we, we've got a strong bench and we've got a strong team fully fit. You know, we've got, you know, the best stadium in the world, the best training facility in the world, one of the best managers in the world. We've got some world-class players. It's time to do it, Tottenham. It is now time to step up, get it done, win these nine games, get in the Champions League and, and roll on next season. And, you know, for I hope everyone keeps safe and roll on the, the football returning. But, you know, that, that was my contribution tonight. So, yeah. thanks. thanks. Loved, thanks. It. Loved it. Loved it. And, Jay... As always, mate, thank you for coming back on. Thank you for sharing the team, the formation. We're starting to get a bit excited now, Jay, aren't we? Yeah, perfect timing, just wrapping up just for my bedtime, so that's all great. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, really, really interesting show. <laughs> Jamie, the main thing is, yeah, yes. I, I want to make I want to make sure after after down has, has happened, we want to see you riding a two-wheeler, mate, because I know you're on the stabilisers <laughs> before, but we want to uh, see you on the two-wheeler, mate. We want to uh, see you on that BMX, <laughs> yeah? Guys, thank you ever so much again for all your support all you're listening listen keep safe keep well we'll be back very very soon and as always in with Aaron on the show I've got to say it come on you Spurs Podcast Network.